This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Hello? Hello, Dr. Helseth. This is Jonathan Master calling. Hi, Jonathan. Please call me Paul. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing well. Make sure to keep listening after the interview to find out how to win a free book from the old Princeton scholar, B.B. Warfield. Our guest today is Professor of Christian Thought at University of Northwestern, St. Paul, Minnesota. He's written a number of things on the doctrine of God as well as on the theology of the early professors at Princeton Seminary. Today we want to discuss B.B. Warfield with him and the Princeton theologians in general. So, Dr. Paul Helseth, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I appreciate it. I want to begin with a broad question. You've spent a good deal of your career writing about Princeton Seminary professors from the 19th and early 20th centuries. Why are these old Princeton theologians important? Well, I think they're important for a number of reasons and uh, for evangelicals generally and Reformed evangelicals in particular. They're important because they, in a sense, serve as uh, the foil or the whipping boy, if we could put it like that, for um, contemporary attempts to um, move away from some of the standard assumptions of what Reformed believers would call historic evangelicalism. So, for example, many post-conservative evangelicals um, cite the works of Hodge and Warfield and Alexander and Machen and others as embodying an approach to theology that they, as post-conservatives, think is problematic. And they would argue that the Princetonians' approach to theology is problematic because it is somehow been compromised by modernity, by Enlightenment philosophy, specifically Scottish common-sense realism. And so my interest in the old Princetonians was initially sparked by the realization of the role that they play in contemporary discussions, particularly contemporary discussions that seek to minimize the, um, the authority of Scripture in some sense and to elevate the importance of uh, religious experience. So they're, they're important, uh, not just for historical reasons, but they're important for contemporary reasons as well, I would argue. Now, just to clarify something that you just stated, you, you're, you would argue that their doctrine of Scripture, their general approach to Christianity, is actually, actually has great continuity with the Reformed tradition prior to their, their coming. Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I have argued, and, and I do argue, that we ought not to regard theologians like Charles Hodge or B.B. Warfield as uh, rationalists who approached the text uh, of Scripture in a kind of uh, enlightenment sense, a sense that that exalted the power of the human mind. Rather, I would argue that really what is at the heart of their 
understanding of the authority of Scripture is their doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the work of the Spirit in giving believers eyes to see what the text is, is teaching. So uh, I don't claim to be uh, an authority uh, on, um, on the history of the doctrine of Scripture in the Reformed tradition, but my best understanding of, of the Reformed tradition is that the Spirit plays a critical role in how we think about the nature of Scripture and the authority of Scripture, and certainly the Princetonians were in line with that, as far as I can tell. So, doctrine of Scripture, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. How does how does someone like B.B. Warfield fit into that whole constellation of ideas in this old Princeton approach? Well, I think to, to answer that question, it's important to uh, realize the or to, to understand. Um, the, the 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 time in which he lived. He lived uh, at, at, in an age when um, higher criticism was on the rise, when there was a tendency for biblical scholars to read the text in light of contemporary uh, social, historical, cultural, philosophical, scientific developments. And um, and in, in my estimation, um, Warfield was critical of those ways of reading Scripture because uh, that way of reading Scripture undermined the authority of Scripture. Um, uh, it, it's, a, it's such a, a, a huge discussion, but the Briggs controversy, for example, um, Briggs was a modernist with respect to his understanding of the authority of Scripture, and and Warfield was critical of that approach, precisely because, in his estimation, um, it was undermining the authority of of God's word. It sounds like Warfield um, was very concerned with the authority of Scripture, and in fact, that's what. That's what he seems to be cited for most frequently in debates today. Could you briefly summarize Warfield's contribution to the doctrine of script, to our understanding of the doctrine of Scripture, and particularly to our understanding of the doctrine of the inerrancy of Scripture? Well, um, Warfield was one of these nineteenth-century um, theologians who who believed that uh, all truth is God's truth. Um, he was also a firm believer in uh, what he called progressive orthodoxy. Um, his understanding of progressive orthodoxy was significantly different from that of somebody uh, like uh, Briggs, um, because he was persuaded that progress in theology uh, does not require us to abandon kind of an orthodox established understanding of Christian doctrine. Rather, progress builds on what has already been established. So, um, associated with that discussion are questions of theological method. So, how do we maintain the authority of Scripture 
while engaging with contemporary discussions related to the life of the mind. Warfield, as far as I can tell, was confident that when we approach Scripture in a way that defers to the authority of Scripture rather than to the authority of contemporary scholarship, whatever that scholarship might be, um, when we do that within the context of the Church, um, we will, even though it's not always easy, we will be building theology, we will be constructing theology in a progressively orthodox sense. We won't be, in a sense, destroying theology or undermining what has already been established. So Warfield was confident that Scripture is true, that it is without error, that when it is properly understood, it will, um, it will not conflict with what we know to be true through other sources. Um, but he was also aware, I think, that wrestling with the whole cluster of issues related to the doing of theology, um, that, 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 requires, um, that requires time, it requires uh, patience, and it also requires the Christian community wrestling with things in a way that self-consciously is eager to maintain the authority of Scripture. If I were to, if I wanted to just dip into Warfield's writings, just get a taste for his his thinking and and some of the some of the kinds of things that you've talked about in terms of theological method, where would you tell me to start? Well, I would tell you to start in his collected works. Specifically, I'd tell you to start, or I'd, I'd suggest that you start in his, Volume 9 of his collected works on, uh, with the title Studies in Theology. In that volume, he has not just articles on uh, apologetics, but he has articles on the idea of systematic theology and the task and method of systematic theology. Um, those essays really uh, crystallize Warfield's understanding of not just what theology is, but what theological method entails. Um, so I would recommend that uh, interested readers go to those essays. No, that's very helpful advice, um, and I would agree with that. Now, now, are there any other books or resources you'd recommend for uh, the study of Warfield, for understanding the man, or for understanding his theology or his theological contribution? I sh yes, uh, I'd also recommend his uh, selected shorter writings, a two-volume collection put out by PNR publishers a number of years ago. I'd also highly recommend the work of Fred Zaspel and the work of David Smith. Uh, Fred Zaspel 
has written um, a book on Warfield's uh, understanding of the Christian life, and he's also uh, attempted to write uh, the, the systematic theology that Warfield himself never produced. Um, and he does that by compiling uh, Warfield's primary sources and distilling them and, and synthesizing them, and it's really quite a remarkable achievement, I think. The other book that I think is quite important, particularly for understanding Warfield's method, is a book written by David Smith, who's a uh, Reformed pastor in North Carolina, who did his Ph.D. work at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. The title of that book is B.B. Warfield's Scientifically Constructive Theological Scholarship. And that is a, uh, an exhaustive treatment of Warfield's understanding of method, and it is very, very helpful. Those are great recommendations. I would second all of them, and, and that's a, those are all kind of helpful uh, synthesis books for understanding him. Well, I wish we could talk longer, but we are out of time. So, Paul Helseth, thank you for joining us today to talk about B.B. Warfield. Thanks again for having me, Jonathan. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Theology on the Go, a podcast from placefortruth.org. Place for Truth wishes to be thoughtful and accessible and is based on the conviction that the gains of the Protestant Reformation retain their potency and ought to be maintained for the health of Christ's Church. This week, we are offering Faith and Life by B.B. Warfield to our listeners. Go to the podcast page at placefortruth.org to enter for a chance to win. And listen next time to Theology on the Go a brief interview about an eternal truth.